Thanks for joining us for this message from Awakened Church. We believe in the power of God's Word, and we pray that you're encouraged by this message. Now lean in as we hear from God's Word together. Today we are continuing in our series called Playlist. So if you would turn to Psalm chapter 55 today. That is our next song on our playlist. And we've called this series Playlist because what we're learning is that the book of Psalms is really just a book of songs. And today the title of the message is Out of the Elevator and Into Trust. And really that's going to be our main focal point, our main theme. Everything is going to drive back to that. Everything that we're going to talk about today is going to drive back to that. Out of the elevator and into trust. I wonder how many of us here today would say that you are uh, afraid of elevators, that you're scared of elevators. Some of you might be like, yeah, that's me. I don't like getting into elevators. And although the fear of elevators doesn't have a phobia name per se, what it does though is it triggers other existing phobias that we have. For example, some of us were a little claustrophobic. And so getting into tight places with a lot of people, you don't really like that idea. And so an elevator is a perfect example of getting into a tight place with a lot of people and you don't like it at all. For others of us, it's who's going to come in that elevator that makes us a little more scared. Like when those doors open, who am I going to see? What's going to come through? You never know. For my germophobia friends out there, it's not so much all those other things as much as you think about all those buttons that all those people have touched with all those germs. And so you get in there and you like quickly try to touch it and you're like, the germ didn't stick, you know, like you just do that. Or maybe you're like me, you use the knuckle. Or you like it when there's a lot of people because you just go in there and you're like floor number three and somebody else pushes the button for you. And so they're almost like your private concierge service right there. But I think the main fear that we would all say that we have when it comes to elevators is being trapped, being stuck in an elevator, right? Did you know that the odds of getting stuck in an elevator are one out of every 100,000 rides? So that means you got to ride it 100,000 times before you might get stuck one time. Guess what? I got stuck that one time. (laughs) And I remember it as clear as if it happened to me yesterday. I played uh, varsity basketball for our high school team, and uh, the boys and girls went on a tournament, and so we were going to northern New Mexico for this trip. So we left early in the morning, we get into the hotel, we check in, we go, we eat, we uh, then go and um, do some shopping, and then we come back to the hotel. And all of the kids thought, hey, it's a good idea if we all try to see how many kids we can cram into this elevator. I was like, that sounds like fun, let's do it. So we all get in there, and I'm in the back, and slowly I keep getting further and further in the back, like to the point where my face is getting smushed in this tiny little elevator. And some people are like, this is a bad idea, and so they start leaving, and more people would come in, and then more people would leave. And just as I thought, you know, there's probably some wisdom into getting out of here, as I was just about to say, let me get out of here, the elevator doors close. I was like, my fate is sealed. This is either going to go great or it's going to go bad. It went very bad because what happened was they, we pressed the floor. I think it was like floor three or four. I don't remember which one, but we pressed the button and the elevator started to shake. And then it kind of made this noise. And I didn't think elevators made that noise, but they make a noise when you have too many people in an elevator. And so it groaned and we're going up there. And all of a sudden we see the, lo- the floor number light up. The arrows show that the doors have opened, but the doors did not open. 
In fact, what happened was the elevator shook and it dropped a little bit and everybody screamed, everybody panicked, like it was chaos in this small little elevator. We're all bumping into each other. It was the worst thing that could ever happen. But finally, everybody got calm. We called, we used a little phone, called down, the the desk came up and they said, well, we can't fix this. We got to call the fire department. They called the fire department down, and they used the, the jaws of life to open up the elevator doors. And there were jokes happening, and nothing is funny when you're stuck in an elevator, let me tell you. And so I just remember, they opened up the doors. I saw the floor that I should be walking on. I see this huge concrete slab, and then I see the black abyss beneath me. And I was like, this is not good at all. Like, this is the worst thing in the world. And so they're like, well, we can't fix this. We're going to have to pull you out one by one. And I thought, I'm either going to die in this elevator or I'm going to die coming out because right as they're pulling me out, that's probably when the cables will snap and it's going to cut my body right in half. So this, this day just kept getting worse and worse for me. And so they pull us out one by one. We finally got out of the elevator. Let me tell you, that rest of the trip, I didn't ride that elevator. I took the stairs. And for the last six months, I didn't take an elevator. Like I was like, I'm not having any of it. To this day, I look and I try to see where the trap door is. So I know how to escape out of the elevator just in case I need to. But the odds of us getting stuck in a physical elevator are really never going to happen. But the reality is a lot of us get stuck in our mental elevator. And for a lot of us, we would describe our mental elevator as anxiety. We feel all alone. No one uh, gets it, and we feel like the walls are coming in on us. I did some research this week on anxiety, and it seems that anxiety has been on the rise recently. In 2019, people who say that they suffer from depression or anxiety uh, was at uh, 11%. But in December of 2020, it rose to 42%. See, sometimes the reason why we feel stuck in our mental elevators is because we don't want to talk about what's going on inside of us. We don't want to talk about our anxiety. We don't want to let people in that we're going through something or that we're struggling in some way, especially when it comes to us in the church. We just assume that if you're in church, you should just have it all together, or if you're struggling with something, you should just pray this thing away. And so you should have enough faith to just not have anxiety anymore. And so we just pray and pray. And when nothing happens, we go, well, is God mad at me? Did I I do something to offend God? Like, did I do something wrong? And so when our anxiety doesn't go away, we just stop praying about it and we don't talk about it. There's some of us here today who showed up to church. We have our best clothes on. We have a smile on our face. On the outside, it looks like we have it all together. But on the inside, we're falling all apart. And if you're here today and you're falling apart on the inside, I want to tell you that you found a place where all of us are a mess. It's okay if you're not okay. And sometimes the best news is for us that God draws near to us because of our mess. And it takes a mess to set up a meeting with God. Now, if there was anybody who knew this, if there was anybody who knew that they needed to get out of the elevator of their anxiety and into trust, it was King David. King David, if you don't know who he was, he was the second king of Israel. And uh, he, uh, he was a man's man, if there ever was one. He was a warrior. He was a shepherd. He was a musician. He was a poet. He was the king. In fact, he wrote a lot of songs that his army would sing as they would march into battle. And and so it was kind of like their own playlist as they would go off to war. 
And Psalm 55, I think, can be our song, our, our playlist as we march into battle against anxiety. Because when you're stuck in your mind, it feels like the walls are closing in and there's no way out. I believe Psalm 55 will help us. Psalm 55 is very personal to me as well. Uh, I remember back when COVID first hit and there was a lot of questions about what is this disease and what's going to happen. We all went on lockdown and everybody had kind of anxiety and fear over this thing. And I remember reading Psalm 55 and God used it powerfully for me and I believe that he can do the same for you. Again, when I was looking into this topic of anxiety, I came across a quote from a book called Who Switched Off My Brain? And it said this quote, Our toxic thinking is like poison. A thought may seem harmless, but if it becomes toxic, even just a thought, beca- uh, ju- even just a thought can become physically, emotionally, or spiritually dangerous. As much as 87 to 95% of mental and physical illness are a direct result of toxic thinking, proof that our thoughts affect us physically and emotionally. Maybe you're here today and you feel like you're stuck in an elevator of anxiety because it all started with a thought that was planted in your head. You know, maybe somebody told you you should be afraid of clowns, and so today you're afraid of clowns. Or maybe you saw a movie Or maybe it's more serious than that. It was an experience that you had or something happened to you or something happened to someone that you loved. And this thought gets lodged into your head and it's made you fearful and it's made you anxious and you feel like you're stuck in this elevator. I want us to look at what David said in Psalm 55 as he's talking about this. He says in verse one, give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not yourself from my plea for mercy. He's talking about the same thing. He's just saying it two different ways in verse one. Verse two, he says, attend to me and answer me. I am restless in my complaint and I moan because of the noise of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked. For they drop trouble on me and in my anger, they bear a grudge against me. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me, and horror overwhelms me. You could almost just hear how overwhelmed David is in this passage. He's just crying out to God. In Hebrew, some of the words that he's using here would describe a woman going through the pains of labor. If you're a parent here today, you understand what that means. There's, there's screaming, there's crying, there's sweating, the heart's beating, and sometimes that's just the dad, right? <laughs> At least it was for me. But that's what happens. That's what he's describing there. A woman going through labor. He's crying out. He's screaming. His heart is pounding, and he's feeling it's just this overwhelmed sense, and he's like, God, I'm crying out to you. I'm feeling anxious and overwhelmed. And he's talking about an army and some arrows and swords that are going to come against him. But he's also referring to things that you and I deal with as well. Like tragedy and disaster and heartbreak and the what ifs of life. The context of Psalm 55 is David is writing this after he's been betrayed by a close advisor, a close counselor of his. This was like his best friend. Not only was he an advisor, but he was his best friend. This was someone he did life with. This was someone that he worshiped God with, someone that he prayed with. 
This was a close friend, and now his friend has betrayed him, and this betrayal is going to lead to this revolt to overthrow David. And we can almost hear his anxiety as he's thinking about this betrayal, and it seems to be making him anxious. See, I know this is true for me in my own life when it comes to my anxiety. I know for me, if I think too long about my present situations, or I think too much about my future circumstances, I become anxious thinking about those things. Uh, I took over as lead pastor, if you don't know, for uh, the last five months, six months now. And I I remember being um, given this position. And I remember thinking and being anxious, going, am I ready for this? Am I ready to take on these responsibilities? Am I ready to lead in this capacity? I remember thinking, how am I going to teach every weekend? I mean, I've taught off and on, but I never taught every weekend. I still, even to this day, I'll think about next year and I'll go, man, what are we going to teach? Like, maybe we'll just do this all over again. Like, I become so anxious thinking about all that stuff. Even, I have three boys, five, seven, and nine. And I become anxious, especially when they talk about driving. They go, Dad, it's just, it looks so easy driving. I'm like, no, it's not. You're going to wait till you're 30. Like, I become anxious when I think about them driving. I become anxious when I think this year, all three of them are going to go to public school. And I think, you, you know, are they going to, who are they going to meet? Are they going to be safe? Are they going to be okay? And I become anxious when I think about them. And maybe for you, that resonates with you. Maybe for you, you think the same thing. Or maybe for you, it's health. You become anxious when you start thinking about your health. Anxious about your finances. Or maybe for you, it's just anxious about your relationships. Maybe, am I going to find Mr. Right? Am I going to find Mrs. Right? Or maybe for you, you've recently been divorced after just trying to fight for your marriage to reconcile, but your spouse left you, didn't want anything to do with you, and now you're anxious. Every time you think about it, you're anxious. Like, what's next? What's going to happen? Or maybe it's the death of a loved one. And you become anxious when thinking about them. Like, how am I going to go on? What am I going to do next? And you start thinking about those things and your anxiety can begin to run and run and run. And what happens is we get stuck in our minds when it comes to our anxiety. And when we get stuck in this elevator, we start descending down floors. And the floors look like this. Floor three, it's personal. We say things like, well, they hate me. They don't like me. It's my fault. Floor two, it's pervasive. We think, well, everyone must feel this way. Everyone is against me. Or floor one, it's permanent. We think it's over. It's never going to change. It cannot be fixed. And so when our anxiety runs and runs and we start descending down these floors, a lot of us, we try to self-medicate. Whether we mean to or not, we self-medicate. We self-medicate by drinking too much. We self-medicate by eating too much. We self-medicate by sleeping too much. We take it out on others. We withdraw from others. Some of us, we don't even know what we're dealing with. We just know that we're all alone, we're stuck, and the walls are caving in on us. And we want out of our elevators. David felt like everything was falling apart. He felt like he had no hope too, and he wanted out of his elevator. So it's natural for us to uh, look at our feelings and express our fears, but it isn't the way we solve our problems. 
While it's normal for us to hope for a quick way of escape, David talks about it in Psalm 55. He says, oh, if I had wings like a dove, then I would just fly away. It's natural for us to want to escape, to run away. But that's not what we're supposed to do. It's important for us to look to God and ask for his help. And after David said that, he says this in verse 16, but I call to God and the Lord will save me. Evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and I moan and he hears my voice. See, I love that David says morning, noon, and night. And you might think, well, he's a poet. Like that's just a poetic way of saying things, but it's more specific than that. The Hebrew times to pray were three specific times, morning, noon, and night. And basically what David is saying here is, I can't fix this. I can't make things better. I can't soothe my mind right now, but I'm going to put myself in a position to talk to God, and I'm going to talk to him all day long. He continues on in verse 18. He says, he redeems my soul in safety from the battle that I wage, for many are arrayed against me. That word redeems, what he's talking about here is that God will save him or that God will rescue him. In his crying out to God, in his prayer before God, David felt peace. He felt like he had been rescued. He felt like he had been saved from his anxiety, from his crisis, and he felt like he had peace. But make no mistake, there were still enemies chasing him. He still had the threat of being overthrown as king. People were still pursuing him. But in the middle of all of that, his soul was at peace. The truth is this. Anxiety is not lifted because of the absence of problems, but rather the presence of God. And then he says this in verse 19. God will give ear and humble them. He who is enthroned from of old, because they do not change, and, they, and do not fear God. Basically, what that verse is getting at is that his hope, his foundation for his hope is not in himself, it's not in his armies, but it's in his God, the God that goes before him. David knows that God will go before him, he will defend him, and he will protect him. The reality is things don't always go great for David. His life wasn't the perfect life. He wasn't the perfect king. His family wasn't perfect. But God was faithful to calm his fears and his anxieties. And God walked through David whatever season he faced in his life. So here's the action step for us getting out of the elevator. Verse 22. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Cast your cares to the Lord because he will take care of you. His promise doesn't mean that you'll never have trials or troubles. Doesn't mean that your life is gonna be rainbows and sunshines and unicorns and happy days all the time. That's not what the verse is getting at. That's not the promise. David is telling us that God will hold us God will walk with us through whatever season that we are in. Whatever we will face, God will be right beside us. Now, I want you to hold on to that thought for just a second because I want to fast forward further on into David's life and look at how he writes about how faithful God was to him in Psalm 94. Verse 17, he says, Unless the Lord had helped me, I would soon have settled in the silence of the grave. I cried out, I 
am slipping. But your unfailing love, O Lord, supported me. When doubts filled my mind, your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. That phrase, doubts filled my mind, you know what that is? It's being stuck in an elevator. It's anxiety. And he says, God, you came along. You didn't allow me to slip and fall. God, you didn't allow me to tumble down that that progression of it's personal, it's pervasive, it's permanent, and now I'm in the pits of despair. But he said, God, you lifted me up. You held me through every season of my life. You were with me every step that I took until I had my cheer and joy. See, at some level, we all suffer from anxiety. For some of us, we need to regularly talk to someone. We need to talk to a therapist. And that's good. You should do that. Don't feel ashamed if you have to do that. For others of us, we have to take medication because our anxiety is so off the charts, we need some help. And that's good. Don't be embarrassed by it. Don't feel shame by it. Do it. But I think in addition to those things, it is a good reminder for us to know that we are in the hands of a loving father who walks with us, who's with us, who will not let us slip and fall, who's with us in every season of our life, especially when we have anxiety. See, when it comes down to our anxiety, I think it really comes down to this one verse from David. And this really could be the solution to the elevator that we live in. And it's Psalm 55, and it's the last phrase of verse 23. And it says, but I will trust in you. I love how the New Living Translation uh, says it. It's a little more theatrical, I guess. It says, but as for me, I will trust in you. We have to move from out of the elevator and in to trust. We have to trust God. Think about it. Your friends may not trust in God. Your family may not trust in God. Your coworkers, your boss, the media, the government, they all may not trust in God. All the people shouting at you, telling you that you aren't good enough, that this is worthless, that this is a, there's no point in all this. It'll never work, that you shouldn't trust in God. But David said, but as for me, I will trust in God. I'll tell you, as I battle with my own anxiety, I have to remind myself of that very verse. And I have to say, but as for me, I will trust in God. And I have found him to be faithful. So let's rewrite those three Ps that we talked about earlier. Instead of it's personal, they don't like me, it's my fault. What if we rewrote that and said, you know, It's been happening since the beginning of time. It's not just me. When you think it's pervasive, that everybody thinks this way or everybody's out to get you, just stop and realize there's a few people that love you and care about you that are thinking about you. But for the most part, the majority of us, we aren't thinking about all of those things. The reality is we're often just thinking about ourselves. And instead of thinking it's permanent, that nothing will ever change, let's rewrite that too. Because I think Jesus proved that nothing is permanent when he walked out of that grave. In 1853, elevators were a popular thing. They were recently invented. People loved the elevator. They were riding them, and they they hadn't really thought about the safety of an elevator. Hadn't really much thought about what happens if the ropes break or the cables break. But one man thought of it, and his name was Elijah Otis. 
And Elijah Otis developed and invented the uh, braking mechanism for elevators to make sure that they wouldn't crash into the ground. And so he was so excited about his invention that he took it to the New York City World's Fair. Now, the World's Fair at the time is kind of the QVC. It was kind of like the ads before the video. Like, this is where everybody saw the great inventions. Everybody saw what was hot and what was coming up, you know? And so for him to get his point across of how amazing his invention was, he built this uh, makeshift elevator, and he gave his presentation on it. And the elevator was going higher and higher into the sky. But at some point in his presentation, he had somebody with an axe come over and just chop the rope. And the elevator started descending from the sky. Now, you could probably imagine everybody screaming and and shouting, what is going on? You know, you could probably imagine the panic. But then his safety mechanism locked in place like it should. It did exactly what it's supposed to do. And he said this, these words to calm the people that were watching. He said, nothing to fear, all is safe. Here's the point. The reason why we have the problem with the elevators of our mind, it's not so much that the walls are caving in or the what-ifs of life. The difficulty that we have with anxiety is we're just afraid of what's going to happen if we fall. But David learned, as for me, I will trust in God. And maybe the thing for you and I to do today when it comes to our anxiety is we just need to cut the rope. We need to cut the rope of all the things that we're doing to try to self-medicate. Cut the rope of all the things that we're trying to control in our lives to take away our anxiety. Cut the rope of all the, the friends that we feel like we need to have in our life in order to validate ourselves and simply utter this phrase, but as for me, I will trust the Lord. See, when your anxious mind starts to run wild and you begin to go down that thought process of it's personal, it's pervasive, it's permanent, Cut the rope. Remind yourself of how faithful God is and say, but as for me, I will trust the Lord. Thanks for joining us for this message from Awaken Church. We'd love to hear how this message or the ministry of Awaken has impacted your life. Let us know at awaken.church forward slash my story.